Good morning, everyone. I also want to uh, take the opportunity to wish all of you mothers happy Mother's Day. Uh, thank you for all that you do. Our world is the way it is, partly because of how mothers have nurtured and loved their children. And I think sometimes women that are mothers, they see what they do at home as their normal life, and then they come to church and they do ministry. But I want to encourage all of you mothers that you being a mother, you being a mother and caring for your children is ministry, and it has an eternal impact on us. Um, today I'm going to be uh, speaking on the Holy Spirit. We're going into the season of Pentecost. And I was, as I was discussing with Pastor Peter how I could maybe tie uh, Mother's Day together with Pentecost, Pastor Peter was saying, why don't you call your sermon Tongues of Fire? I'm kidding, we won't do that today, but uh, I want to preach on the Holy Spirit today. Uh, some of you have asked, um, since I'm from Alberta, if um, close to where I, I was living is on fire and uh, Fort McMurray is about seven hours away from uh, my hometown of La Crete and about 10 hours away from uh, Picture Butte. So it's quite a ways away from where we were living. Uh, but there are several fires in, in northern Alberta. Right now, I think there's about 12 out of control fires in Alberta. And so some of them, like the fires in Fort McMurray, that fire has now grown to be two and a half times the size of Toronto. So if you can picture a huge fire, we have bonfires or campfires here and we, they sit on this, they, they are contained within little pieces of rock, little pieces of stone. Now picture a fire that is this two and a half times the size of Toronto. But where did this fire start? Many of these forest fires, most of these forest fires have been started by lightning. These fires were started in one small little spot. And it's, uh, how does this relate to Pentecost? Over 2,000 years ago, around 2,000 years ago, Jesus came. God came in the flesh. And he said, I will send you a helper. And the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, came on Pentecost. And the Bible teaches in Acts that he came and he rested on the people as tongues of fire. That fire started in one place. And now that fire has spread across the whole world. And the fire is much bigger than two times the size of Toronto. It is across the whole world. And we can see the power of God. But unlike the fires of Fort McMurray, unlike the fires of Alberta, this fire is not destructive. This fire is instructive. And it has helped us as a church to grow and to... Um, to uh, uh, bring the gospel to the rest of the world. Before we go further into the sermon, let's open in a word of prayer again. Father in heaven, thank you how you have ordained our days, you have ordained our lives, and we thank you for ordaining, for bringing us together today as a church to learn from your word. And Jesus Christ, thank you for coming and living among us 2,000 years ago, teaching us, modeling godliness to us, and most of all, we thank you for going to the cross and dying on our behalfs. And because of you, we can have forgiveness. We can be saved. Thank you for rising the third day from the dead. And Holy Spirit, as we look into the word that you have 
uh, written through men of old. I pray that you will work in our hearts today, and I pray as we look at who you are today, that we will appreciate you more, we will love you more, and we will serve you more. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our EMMC statement of faith uh, says this about the Holy Spirit. This is what, what we as a church hold to in regards to the Holy Spirit. It says, we believe in God, the Holy Spirit, who gives new life to all who have placed their faith in Christ. The Spirit who indwells believers continues to comfort, empower, guide, or gift, guide, and unite them to fulfill the mission of the church. Sounds pretty fancy in a lot of ways, uh, but this is uh, put into a very short sentence what we believe about the Holy Spirit. So uh, I'll be preaching next Sunday as well. And so today what we want to do is we want to take a look, kind of a, a general survey of who the Holy Spirit is. Who is he as a person? Who is he as God? And if you will uh, take a look at your bulletins, on the back of your bulletins, um, I have attached a, a study guide. When we preach on a topic as big as who is God, there's no way that I can ever cover this topic properly, exhaustively. And so these are uh, some study guides, maybe for you to take home, to study through the week, to study the passage of scripture that are written up, or maybe uh, if your children are a little older, maybe this is a good thing for you to go through as a family, and just to understand maybe a little bit more, who is the Holy Spirit? The first question I want to ask is, why is it important that we understand who the Holy Spirit is? There's about four uh, reasons, pro there's probably more, but just four that I want to go through. The first one is that he is God. The Bible clearly teaches in several places that he is divine and he is part of the Trinity. We teach here at uh, LEMMC that God wants to have a relationship with you. And we want to lead you to have a better relationship with God. If this is the case, and the Holy Spirit is God, then surely we need to understand who he is. We need to get to know who he is. The second reason is he is active in this time in history. As you read your Bible, you start from the beginning of the book in Genesis, and you read through the scriptures. In the Old Testament, God is revealed as um, one God. And in, in the scriptures, it refers back to God being uh, re, um, revealed in this way. And it's referred to as the Father. Jesus referred to God of the Old Testament as the Father. It didn't mean that the other two persons of the Trinity weren't there. But primarily, the Father was the one that was revealed in the Old Testament. The prophets uh, prophesied about Jesus. And the Father was the one that sent Jesus. When Jesus was on this earth, the ministry, the focus in a sense was on Jesus. Jesus showed us how to live. Jesus called us to follow him. Jesus gave up himself for us so that he could pay our sins on our behalf. So that we could have forgiveness from our sins. And then Jesus died, he rose, and then he ascended into heaven. And Jesus says, after me will come one that will help you, that will comfort you, that will remind you of all that I have taught you. 
And we are living in that time now where the primary person of the Trinity through which we relate to God is the Holy Spirit. And so it's very important for us to understand who he is and how we can relate to God. Num uh, number three, he inspired the writing of scriptures. I don't know how many of you uh, listen to Robin Mark or Mercy Me. Anybody fans of these two singers in here? I've always liked Robin Mark's uh, music. I've always liked Mercy Me's music. But several years ago, and I've seen Mercy Me, I think, two or three times in concert, and Robin Mark I've seen in concert as well. But I met Robin Mark in person, and I, I met some of, the, uh, some of the people from Mercy Me in person. And after these concerts, I have now a way better appreciation. I like their music a lot more than I did before. Why is this? Is it because their music now became better after I met them? I think I'd be taking way too much credit for myself if that was the case. That's not why I like their music more. The reason is I felt a personal connection with these singers because I met them. I shook their hands, uh, or I shook Robin Mark's hand. We talked a little bit about uh, my life, and now I really appreciate his music. It's the same way about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, it says, inspired writers to write the Bible. And if we appreciate the Holy Spirit, I believe we are going to appreciate God's word more. And the number four, he is our personal connection to the Trinity. God the Father is in heaven, and the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ ascended into the heavens as well, and is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and now the Holy Spirit is among us. The Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us is our personal connection to God in heaven. So those are the, uh, a few reasons why it's important for us to understand who is the Holy Spirit. The next question I want to ask is I just want to briefly uh, sum up a little bit who is the Holy Spirit? Who is he as a person? And this is maybe where your, your questions that you received with your bulletin can be helpful for, for, for uh, further study. The first thing that we learn about the Holy Spirit in the Bible is kind of uh, an obvious one. The Holy Spirit is a spirit. Some of you grew up with the uh, King James Version or the authorized version. And you, do you remember reading and the Holy Spirit being referred to as the Holy Ghost? And I remember as a kid, my dad reading the old King James and he, he was saying Holy Ghost. And, and I had seen Casper the Ghost and I was having a hard time putting these two together. Was God coming and had a white sheet over him with two little eyes and was trying to scare people into heaven? That's not, I think uh, that translation was very helpful 400 years ago for people to understand who God the Holy Spirit is. But today maybe that terminology is um, not so helpful for us. In the scriptures... I think one of the things that is maybe more helpful for us to understand who God the Holy Spirit is, is found in uh, John chapter 3. And here Jesus is teaching Nicodemus what it is like to be born again. And here John compares 
God the Holy Spirit with wind. Very interesting thing about the uh, Greek use for spirit. The Greek uh, word for spirit is pneuma. And the Greek word for wind is pneuma. The Greek word for breath is pneuma. And some of you that work in a shop know you have pneumatic tools. Tools that run off of wind. And so I think this, in some ways, this is a very uh, helpful picture for us to kind of understand what is it like to be spirit. How many of you, as Jesus was making uh, uh, the example, have ever seen wind? No one is raising their hand. Of course we haven't seen wind. How many of you have ever seen our flag wave? How many of you have ever flown a kite? We have flown a kite. So we, we know that the wind is there, but the wind to us is invisible. But we can see how the wind works. In the same way, we as physical beings, as physical people, have a hard time seeing spiritual things, spiritual beings. But as he works in us, as he works in the church, we can see who he is. The next thing the Bible teaches is that the Holy Spirit is a person. I think over, um, over history, many have in, misinterpreted who the Holy Spirit is. Um, if I say May 4th, and some of you science fiction people uh, hear that, what do you think of? Star Wars, right? And one of the, the themes of Star Wars is this theme of force. And... People uh, that really like Star Wars were talking about, may the fourth be with you. It's a, it's a play on words on may the force be with you. And I think over history, some people have maybe uh, taught this view of whole, who the Holy Spirit is. He's just this impersonal force that kind of helps steer things in the right way. But as we read through scripture and as you study maybe some of the questions that I attach to your bulletin, you will see that the Holy Spirit is an actual person. Maybe we've been guilty of, of referring to the Holy Spirit as, as it or, or even treating him as just kind of a force. But the Holy Spirit, according to scripture, is an actual person. So we need to talk about him. We need to talk to him in the same way with any other person that we respect and love. Number three, the Holy Spirit is fully God, equal with the Father and the Son. This means that we can pray to the Holy Spirit. You will often hear Pastor Peter, Pastor Ike, and myself pray. We pray to the Father, we pray to the Son, and we pray for the Holy Spirit, to the Holy Spirit. This isn't because we, we just don't know who to pray to and we're, we're kind of uh, lost for words and so we just pick one. It's because all of the persons of the Holy Trinity are fully God. So we pray to the Holy Spirit so that we can ask him to work amongst us. We can ask him to open our hearts, to lead us, to make scripture clear to us. In Acts chapter 5, Peter rebukes Ananias for lying to the Holy Spirit. Right after he has says this, and um, Peter says that Ananias has not only lied to men, but he's lied to God. There are other p- parts of the Bible where 
God the Son, uh, Son, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit are mentioned together, and they're referred to as God. And so the Bible clearly teach, teaches that the Holy Spirit is fully God. And in addition to that, the Bible also clearly teaches that the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. Perhaps you're, you're new here and, and you haven't been going to church much, and there's a lot, been a lot of terms that I've used today that you're maybe not quite sure about. The Christian belief of who God is, is that God is a trinity. What do we mean with that? We mean that God is one, one in being, one in essence, but he is three persons. For us to think about this, to understand this, is as hard, because we are one being but and one person. But God is one being, one essence, and three persons. So when we say that the Holy Spirit is God, we're not saying that the Holy Spirit is God besides God uh, that is revealed in the rest of Scripture. We are saying that he is part of the Trinity, he is fully God, and he is fully part of the Trinity. So we see several things about who the Holy Spirit, who he is, and now we just want to take a brief look at how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. The first thing that the Holy Spirit does is he glorifies Jesus. John chapter 15 verse 26 uh, reads like this. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Furthermore, in a verse that we'll look at later in John 16, uh, 14, Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit is going to glorify me. One of the interesting things I, I, I see in this verse is that the Holy Spirit is referred to the Spirit of truth. And immediately my mind goes to John chapter 14, verse 6, that teaches where Jesus is talking and he's saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so here, the Holy Spirit is, is portrayed as one that brings glory, brings people to the truth. And in doing so, brings them to Jesus. And furthermore, the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance what Jesus has taught with this, I want to give us an application point. Have you ever thought the Holy, about the fact that the Holy Spirit cannot bring to remembrance something that was never remembered? It is very important for us to study God's word, to understand who God is, so that when the time comes for the Holy Spirit to work in us, to bring remember, uh, into rem back to remembrance to us what Jesus has taught, that there is something for him to bring back to remembrance. And so I want to uh, encourage, as you learn about who Jesus is, study hard, study long, make this your life passion to understand who Jesus is, and then the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit will bring back to remembrance who Jesus is. Furthermore, the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is active in salvation. If we turn to John chapter 16, verses 7 to 15, it reads like this. But very truly I tell you, 
It is for your good that I am going away. Jesus is talking about his ascension. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. And so from these verses, we can see several things of how the Holy Spirit works in us to bring us to salvation in Jesus Christ. The first thing that he does in verse 8, it show, uh, he, he, he proves to the world what is wrong about sin and righteousness. Maybe as a believer, you can think back to that time when you started feeling absolutely rotten about the sin you had done, about the wrongs you had done. The Bible teaches this is the work of the Holy Spirit. God himself was working inside of you so that you could understand how horrible your sin was, how it was keeping you away from others and away from God. Maybe the next thing that you can remember about coming to faith in Jesus Christ is understanding the truth for the first time. Perhaps you grew up in a home and, and in the German service they talked about mothers who brought their children uh, back to the Lord. And maybe your parents were, were teaching you. Maybe you had friends that were trying to tell you about Christ, but for you it was completely foggy. You had no idea, what am I supposed to make of all these things? But one day, you had one of those aha moments. You understood for the first time that Jesus had come, lived as a man, a perfect life. And because of his perfection and because of his sacrificial death on the cross, you now could have forgiveness from your sins. And this was a mind-blowing thing for you. And you remember understanding for the first time that you needed to be born again. And all that means and how you need to uh, give yourself over in faith to Jesus Christ. And then the, how the, the Bible promises that God will make you a new person. All for the first time you understood this. The Bible teaches here that when this happened, the Holy Spirit was the person that did that in you. Next in verse 14, it says that he glorified, or, or the Holy Spirit glorifies the Son. So you understood who you were. Then you understood what God had done for you. And then the Holy Spirit leads you by the hand. And he says, here is your Savior. Jesus Christ, nailed to the cross, risen from the dead. He is your Savior. Here he is. And so the Holy Spirit is active in all parts of the gospel. In all the parts of salvation. Have you found salvation in Jesus Christ? 
perhaps you're sitting here and for weeks or maybe even months or maybe even today for the first time, you're feeling something work inside of you. Maybe for the first time you're understanding that you are sinful, that you are not pure, that before God you stand as a dirty person. Maybe for the first time today you are understanding that you need to put your trust in Jesus Christ. And maybe for the first time you have a longing to put your faith in Jesus Christ. This is the Holy Spirit working in you. And I want to urge you, encourage you, and if I could, plead with you, do not resist the voice of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Give yourself over to Christ so that he can save you and that you can start that new life in uh, him that he promises. That brings us to the third point. What does the Holy Spirit do in us? The Bible teaches, and we talked about this already in John 3, that he makes us a new creation. Titus chapter 3 verses 5 reads like this. He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewing by the Holy Spirit. So the teaching in John chapter 3 of how we become born again, that actual work of God, taking what is old, that old sinful person, putting it aside and giving you a new heart, new desires, the Bible teaches that is the work of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps you look back and you remember this time. How before you wanted to live like this, and you could come up or you could explain what that this was for you. And then God got a hold of your heart, the Holy Spirit got a hold of your heart, and now you had a new desire only to live for what was right and what was pure. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Furthermore, the Bible teaches that he fills us after salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5, reads like this. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. What is to come? An eternal relationship with God. For all eternity, we will have relationship, conversations with God. And God is teaching us here, I am so serious about this relationship. I am so excited for this relationship. I'm going to live in, on the inside of you now already to prove to you that you will have eternal relationship with me. This is great news. This is a great promise that we have in Scripture. Furthermore, in Ezekiel chapter 39, verse 29, uh, Ezekiel says uh, this. God says this through Ezekiel. I will no longer hide my face from them, for I will pour out my spirit on the people of Israel, declares the sovereign Lord. If you feel like God is far away, if you feel that God is hiding his face from you, take comfort in these verses. God does not want to hide his face from you. He has given you his spirit. The Holy Spirit is promised to all those that put their trust in Jesus Christ. The fifth point is he enables believers to live holy lives.
How many of you willfully want to be bondage, in bondage to sin? I would think no one would raise their hands. But not only has uh, God the Holy Spirit brought you to salvation, now after salvation, his desire for you is to live in freedom from sin. This is uh, found in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 to 18. It says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who have unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image from ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It says where the Spirit of the Lord is freedom. Show me a person that has freedom in their lives. Freedom to live as God wants them to leave, live and I will show you a person that has the Spirit. Show me a person that is bound to sin, bound to all kinds of disasters in their lives, and I will show you a person that is not, has not found freedom in the Holy Spirit. Then it says in verse 18, he's being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. This is the work of the Holy Spirit inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives on you if you are a believer in Christ. And he starts, in a way, making elbow room for himself. So that as you live in Christ, as you live in the salvation that you have in him, the Holy Spirit becomes more and more evident in your life. And it teaches here that you be, are being transformed into his image. You become more like God. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. He also empowers us to live in freedom, in, in holiness. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but he gives us power, love, and discipline. So God has given you a spirit of power. When he lives on the inside of you, you are not a victim. You are not a weakling. You have power. Because God himself wants to work and live his life through you. Another way that he helps us to live in holiness, to live for Christ, is found in Romans chapter 8, verses 26. Where he teaches us that the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. It reads like this. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness... We do not know what we should pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Have you ever been to that point in your life where everything hurts, your soul hurts, your mind hurts, and maybe your body hurts, and you are so beaten down, you don't know where to go, and you sit with your hands, your face in your hands, and you do not know where to go. Here the Bible teaches us in that time, in that moment of weakness, when we are groaning, we don't know where to go. The Bible teaches that God himself who lives in us prays for us. He intercedes for us. Is there almost a bigger act of grace of God in the scriptures than this? When we are our weakness, weakest, when we cannot go further, God says, I got this. I'll pray for you. In a sense, he's praying to himself, but he's, he's 
telling um, God on our behalf what our heart really desires. In conclusion, I want to just uh, use an illustration of a boy flying a kite. And per perhaps you're sitting here and you're, and you're thinking about who the Holy Spirit is. And with this closing conclusion, I want to kind of uh, set up next Sunday. And you're wondering, is the Holy Spirit really active in my life? And if somebody came, and, uh, came to you and said, explain who the Holy Spirit is. And maybe if they were being sarcastic, they would say, give three examples. And you might not have an answer for them. But maybe you're like this little boy. The story is told of a little boy and he was flying a kite in the park. And it was quite windy. And he had one of those very nice kites with lots and lots of string. And it was a windy day and he let out more and more string. And after 15 minutes, his kite was so far up that no one could see it. An older man comes to the park and he sees this boy playing with a string, and the man says, what are you doing? And the boy says, I'm flying a kite. And the older man thinks maybe this boy's a little crazy. He looks around, there's no kite. And he says, are you sure you're flying a kite? Are you sure? And the boy says, yes. And then the man asks, how do you know you have a kite? How do you know you have a kite on your string? And then the boy says, because I can feel it. And there is part of this teaching where we can teach what the scriptures say about the Holy Spirit. We can teach these verses mean, say this, this is what Jesus has said about the Holy Spirit. But your experience, your relating to the Holy Spirit it will need to be experienced. And the Bible teaches, Jesus taught while he was with us, that as we give ourselves over to him, as we give ourselves over to the Father, as we give ourselves over to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will come inside of us. He will transform us. And we will experience him. And that is how we know who the Holy Spirit truly is. Let's close in prayer. God, the Holy Spirit, thank you for today. And I thank you how you have not hid your face from us. Furthermore, apart from just showing yourself in the Holy Scriptures, you have promised that now you live on the inside of us, those of us that are following you. And I pray that today that you will receive all the glory, the honor, and the praise that is due you. And I pray that as we uh, continue today, Mother's Day, that you will uh, be glorified in our conversations, but you through the Holy Spirit will work in us, that we become a church that is empowered, that can lead other people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. I pray these things in Jesus' name.